Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Joining us now, Sean Jeffrey, the Executive Director of the Manitoba Restaurant and Food Services Association. Sean, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for uh, for doing this. We weren't sure if we were going to... Uh, Premier Pallister at the 11.30 flu vaccine news conference sort of dropped a hint that we might get some bad news today. The restrictions have not been... We did get bad news in another death and a bunch more cases uh, we did not get word of new restrictions, although Dr. Rusin says they are coming. I'm sure you've been talking to the province and to these public health officials. What what can you tell us? Do you think you're going to be uh, involved in the restrictions when they are announced, maybe as soon as tomorrow? Unfortunately, uh, that's the exact opposite. Uh, we actually haven't been in conversation with the province, and that's the part that continues to put our industry on pins and needles, is that we have no communication after the additional consultation uh, with the additional restrictions that were implemented two weeks ago. Um, we have heard uh, very little from the province on anything else. So um, getting this news and not knowing what's happening is uh, it puts a, a tremendous stress on the industry that's already been yeah, quite seriously detrimented. Yeah. I, yeah. I And I understand your frustration with that. I am surprised that you haven't heard from them. I mean, it is a pandemic and I guess at some point, uh, but it doesn't hurt to pick up the phone and consult, right? You know, and we've made ourselves very, uh, you know, very available to the province, and we've made it very clear since day one that we we want to work together. That collaboration and, and collective efforts will result in uh, getting the message out to Manitobans in a in a more uh, tolerable fashion. So we need to make sure that that uh, we continue to stay at the table because our industry has uh, been one of the hardest hit by this pandemic. We heard uh, one of the very few industries, if the only industry that has additional restrictions on it right now, and we're. Uh, we're seeing massive, massive uh, detriment due to those restrictions. Some restaurants down to close to 90% loss in volume. So um, we need to be at the table so that we can continue to, to to collaborate with the province to try to, you know, to do the best for Manitobans and making sure Manitoban staff and patrons are safe. But at the same point, you know, getting getting that information to our members so, you know, we have the best uh, the best seat at the table and the biggest voice we can. We know the restrictions are coming from Dr. Russo. We don't know when, maybe as early as tomorrow. And we don't necessarily know uh, if restaurants uh, will be hit with more restrictions. Uh, but uh, do you think that your industry, individuals in your industry, uh, can survive more restrictions? Or is it about as bad as it's going to get from a business perspective, because we are talking public health here and people are dying. It's a pandemic, but let's talk business for a second. Can you afford, can your business, people in your industry, afford uh, more restrictions? Absolutely not. No, our industry is, uh, we're on the teeter-totter. We're right on the edge as it sits right now. Some of, uh, like I mentioned earlier, some of our operators showing, uh, with the additional restrictions after Code Orange, showing a 90% revenue decline and laying anywhere between 30 to 50% of their of their employees off. And those a lot of, that's a lot of Manitobans out of work. There's 44,000 Manitobans that work in restaurants here. So um, that's a lot of Manitobans out of work. And so from a revenue standpoint of view, obviously it's very detrimental, but from a staffing standpoint of view, this is a this is a significant impact on the staffing and to Manitobans' uh, job security and having the ability to work. So um, it's a twofold uh, you know problem, and we need to continue to you know to work with the government to try to get these this feedback because it's 
um, since they implemented the additional restrictions, we haven't had um, you know the uptick in uh, in exposures and contact exposures in restaurants. In fact, actually, the last one reported on the Manitoba website was on September 26. So um, we we're doing everything we can, and and we've implemented so many uh, safety measures that going out to a restaurant has never been safer. I was going to ask you that. Do you feel restaurants and maybe more so bars? have gotten a bad rap in all this in that um, maybe that has been a gathering spot for people that weren't following uh, Dr. Rusin's fundamentals. And so your industry, and maybe, as I said, more so the bar industry or the hospitality industry in general, gets that label that it's, uh, and and it's not your fault, it's the people that aren't following the rules that maybe gather there, right? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's integral, you know, um, I think Manitobans in general need to, to adhere to the, to the, you know, to Rusin's comments and his recommendations, because this is what's going to keep us safe in the long term. And, and we have, uh, you know, we're doing everything within our power, the implementation of contact tracing, the implementation of mandatory staff screening masks, um, the significant impact, both revenue wise um, and staffing wise that we've had to implement for social distancing and prevention and, uh, and uh, PPE measures. Um, have been, you know, provided a safe place to dine. But that really comes to Manitobans to make sure that if you're not feeling well, please stay home, order takeout, order delivery. Um, but, you know, make sure that you're you're not putting additional Manitobans or Manitoba businesses at risk. If there are, final question, Sean, if there are more restrictions yep. in the next uh, few days and, and restaurants are part of the new restrictions, uh, will mm-hmm. some of your members just throw their arms in the air and lock the door? Yeah, about 10%. You know, about 10% is our, uh, was our preliminary numbers that we would see if an additional lockdown was, uh, was ordered. Uh, an additional 10% of restaurants would be going, uh, unfortunately, would not be able to survive. So, um, you know, we're, we're hoping that uh, we continue to have that collaboration with the provincial government. And we can hope in that Manitobans, uh, you know, can, uh, you know, continue to support the industry as they've done. We, we appreciate that. Um, but uh, we're hoping that we can move forward and then get these cases and flatten that curve. Sean, thanks for this. We'll wait and see. Take care, Ralph. Sean Jeffrey, Executive Director, Manitoba Restaurant and Food Services Association. 117 at CJOBE. Sylvia Marusic is an occupational therapist and international activational speaker on health and well being. And she joins us now. Sylvia, good afternoon. Excellent. Thank you very much for uh, for joining me here. I haven't chatted with you before, but you've been a pretty regular guest on CJOB, so uh, thanks for your time here today. We went to Shared Health, and we asked uh, for some numbers on uh, on injuries, and here's what they've told us, and this will get us into our conversation. Across Winnipeg, uh, the seven emergency and urgent care departments saw injury presentations down by 11% in 2020 so far year over year. And at HSC's Children's Hospital, the number of injury presentations to its emergency department down 26.5% so far this year, peaking in April at 55% down. And uh, so that gets us into our, our conversation. We're not seeing uh, injuries at hospitals, emergency rooms, and, and urgent care uh, facilities. But I kind of think COVID is causing some injuries of a different sort, and maybe a lot of them. Absolutely true. And a lot of people are not going to go to a hospital or to an urgent care facility, you know, with a neck that has been chronically aching or, you know, a left shoulder that hurts every time 
I go to raise it or an elbow that is waking me up in the middle of the night because, you know, it's, it's, it's painful. And so what I think, um, you know, I think those numbers don't represent reality. Not all the reality, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the uh, move to working from home you know, just in reference to the to the guest that was on this morning talking about physiotherapy services, you know, a lot of people are walking wounded. And, the, you know, one branch of my company provides on-site injury prevention services. And my tagline is symptoms before syndromes. We want to see people when they have a symptom before it develops a syndrome. And so I think lots of people have symptoms. They might not have a diagnosed repetitive strain injury, but their very poor workstation setup at home is going to cost them dearly in pain down the road. Yeah, and I think a lot of people thought, well, this is going to be short term. Here I am, Sylvia, doing my show from home uh, still since March 18th. So this is certainly not short term. Now, one of the first things I did is I called the boss and I said, listen, I'm coming to get my chair because I knew that my yeah. office chair was way better than the chair I had uh, here at home. So I did I did that early. I think a lot of people didn't do that thinking, ah, it's not going to be that long and here we are months later. Exactly. And I do virtual ergonomic assessments. So, you know, we do this over over a video platform. And I have seen the most abysmal workstation setups and chairs in particular, you know, chairs with no backs, chairs that have rickety legs, chairs that have backs, but the backs are open. And, you know, of course, people are suffering. But they don't necessarily tie the suffering to the work workstation setup. They sometimes think, well, it's just because I'm here for so many hours. Well, the truth is, is that if you had it set up properly for you, you could do eight hours in a workstation and not be hurting at the end of the day. It's just mm-hmm. needing, you need to know what to do and how to do it. And it really all comes down to having a workstation set up that invites and attracts you into a safe and healthy posture that you then move in and out of frequently because any static positioning is going to be harmful. If you sit all day, it's harmful. If you stand all day, it's harmful. If you lay down all day, it's harmful. Mm -hmm. We're designed to move. That's interesting that you say you do virtual assessments because that was going to be another point I was going to make or a question I was going to ask you. You know, you talk about symptoms I'll bet with COVID-19, a lot of people have those symptoms and maybe more so now than ever say, we're in the middle of a pandemic, I'll deal with it when this is over or at a better time. And then, as you say, those symptoms go on to become syndromes. Right. And that's exactly when people start to have, now I need pain medication. Now I need to go see a doctor. Now I need to see a physiotherapist regularly. Now I need... And now, you know, you're in a situation where the injury, if you had dealt with it at the beginning, would have been a few weeks of some change of habit, changing your positioning, maybe doing some stretching, and taking very little time out of your life. Now it's appointments, and it's how to figure out how to do those things. And it's, there's money involved, and there's traveling. You've got to go across town for appointments. And so I'm really... Um, trying to help people be proactive about helping themselves 
And I, I've got to say, when it comes to upper limb physio, East City, they are the place to go. Absolutely. They are the specialists. They're excellent at what they do. But wouldn't it be nice to be able to treat yourself before you get to the point of suffering where you need the help of a professional? Mm-hmm. And Sylvia, final question. How much of all of this that we're talking about is stress-related, related to the stress from the pandemic and everything else that's in our life right now? Oh, my goodness, Hal. You know what? I would say probably 80%. Um, I just had a conversation with an injured worker this morning, uh, you know, and when you look at sort of what's underneath the symptoms, it is so. it was so clear to me that it was the stress that he was experiencing in his workplace. And so we can throw all kinds of exercises and stretches at people like that and change his work position, but unless we deal with the stress as well, we're never really going to help him feel as well as he could. And that is true for all of us. You know, our issues live in our tissues. They settle in when we have negative emotions and stress. They settle into our body to try and get our attention as a request or plea for help. When we don't address the stress, the body will break down in some way and get our attention. And so I really feel that that is the root um, at so many of the things that people are living with right now, the sleeplessness, the weight gain, um, the lack of energy, the aches and pains. There are, there are so many things that are related to stress. And I think how we are going to see unprecedented mental health issues, unprecedented rates of suicide, unprecedented rates of people struggling to cope when this is over. We rally resources during times of emergency and crisis. And when it's over, we just fall apart. And I, I want to wrong. prevent that. Yeah, I hope yeah. you're wrong, but I, f- I fear you're right, Sylvia. Sylvia, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you, Hal. It was great to talk to you. Same here. Sylvia Marusik, occupational therapist and international activational speaker on health and well-being. It's Thursday. And every Thursday between 2.30 and 3, we talk with Carolyn Klassen from Connexus Counseling, connexuscounseling.ca. Hi, Carolyn. Hey, Hal. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for doing this. Always great to chat with you. Um, so listen, another death today, 173 new cases today, 133 of those in Winnipeg. It sounds uh, like, according to Dr. Rusin, that more uh, restrictions are coming to the Winnipeg area uh, maybe as early as uh, tomorrow. And you were, you and I were emailing today, and, and you say that COVID comes up in every one of your sessions, eh? It does, yes. I think COVID, I just think of it as a 50-pound backpack that we might not always be aware of it, but it's kind of just a part of this ongoing buzz stress level so that even if your life isn't directly impacted by it, you feel it. And, you know, every day people are aware of more discouraging news and the implications of what that might mean, the uncertainty, and I think just a huge sense of discouragement. And um, even as people are trying really hard and be trying to be supportive and resilient and trying to take care of each other, we still feel this discouragement um, that after all these months of trying really hard, the numbers aren't going in the right direction. It just, it just, you just feel it. It is discouraging because, you know, in Prairie Mountain, we saw the numbers drop off as more restrictions went in. We've had more restrictions now here in Winnipeg for almost three weeks, and the numbers have gone up. 
Um, I think a lot of people have been doing their best. Not everybody, but most people have been doing their best, and it's discouraging. And, and you've actually written about this at ConnexusCounseling.ca. Uh, g- give us sort of the Coles Notes version of it. Sure. So um, you probably know that um, uncle, my uncle Arvid, who Arvid Lowen, who's an ultramarathon cyclist, he set a world record this past July. Had him on this show. Good guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he cycled the most kilometers in a 30-day period of anybody on the planet ever, right? It was phenomenal. And he went back and forth from Headingley to Winnipeg on that route, on that highway, over and over and over again. And what he said during that ride was typical of all the rides, that at the sort of at the end of the first third, as you're starting the second third, there's this discouragement that sets in because you know, you start you start the ride with a certain amount of energy and you have reserve and you've trained for it and you're ready and you've got, like, energy in the bank. And a third of the way through, it's gone, right? Now it's just hard work. But the light at the end of the tunnel is really far away. And so this beginning of the second third is just the hardest part and there's this discouragement that sets in that he has. And it's pretty common for him. And to me, it's, it kind of feels like we're there, right, where we're at – we finished the beginning of this, that first wave, we learned how to do this, we know how to do it now, and now comes the hard part of actually doing it over the long haul, where we're, the, wet, the days are getting shorter, the weather's getting colder, and we have to do all of these restrictions, and maybe then some, this period of uncertainty is going to continue for some months yet. And it's, it's in this time when it's really hard, and you think, I'm not sure I can do this anymore. And Arvid knows that when he hits that period, that that discouragement is pretty normal. This is what you feel during this time. And it doesn't mean just because you have that feeling that you want to give up doesn't mean you have to give up. Your feelings don't have to dictate. You just feel them. And then you seek support and you get help. And it's, it's often my, my Aunt Ruth, I call her Tunter Ruth, she'll remind him that he doesn't have to that feeling of discouragement and that he can push through that feeling. She reminds him of what we're doing and why he's doing it. And she gives him kind of this gentle, loving kick in the butt. And that moral support helps him get through and he pushes through. And eventually you do get past the halfway point and the light starts getting bigger. You just have to ride out that really discouraging window. And I think that's what we're in right now. Yeah, and you know, you've got a lot of business people out there that are worried about what new restrictions may come in. Uh, how will it impact their business? Everybody's had their own set of challenges uh, through this pandemic. I'm not saying anybody is, is not dealing with it. Some uh, seem to be dealing with it, uh, you know, in a more difficult way. I had on earlier uh, this afternoon, uh, Sylvia Marusic. She's an occupational therapist, and I forgot to get her website on, so I'll do that now, mindbodyworks.ca, mindbodyworks.ca. And she was great, and, and she said, you know what? When this does come to an end or things do get back to something closer to normal, she's worried that we're then going to have an epidemic of, mental illness, depression, you know, that whole long list, right, that she rattled off uh, earlier on this afternoon. Do you worry about that too, Carolyn? Well, Sylvia's great. I really love her work. I love to hear her talk. Um, I think I'm worried not only for then, but I'm also worried for now. I, You know, our phone is ringing off the hook at Connexus Counseling. People are noticing that they're snapping at family members, that the cracks in relationship are are, that were there before are now getting much bigger, much faster, um, that this is a hard time for a lot of people. And I think we need to be really aware of our mental health and um, 
be aware of what might happen after, but also be really mindful of how hard this is now and what can we do to be good to ourselves, to ask ourselves what do we need so that we can give ourselves what we need so that we don't become depleted and sort of cross that finish line of the end of the pandemic with no gas left and we kind of crash and burn. I'm hoping we can be really good to ourselves and figure out what we need to do to be able to sustain ourselves now throughout and then be able to carry on when this is over. I wrote about that in my son column a couple of weeks ago about how that anger and frustration, I've noticed it out there when I am dealing with other people, and I notice it, I notice it in myself. That anger and frustration is much closer to the surface now than it has been in the past. And I think we're all dealing with that right now, aren't we? Yes. And so I think what I do is I compare it to um, an elastic band, where if you hold an elastic band between your two hands in your fingers and you just hold it loosely, then if something stressful happens and you imagine you're pulling yourself, pulling that elastic apart, there's some give. But during a time of stress, you pull it tight And then when something stressful happens yet, a small, it can even be just a tiny little thing, and you pull yet more, there's no give left in the elastic, and that's when you snap. And normally, when you live your normal life, there's a certain percentage of the population that have their elastics really tight as they go through life because they've just had a job loss or somebody's in hospital that they care about, or there's been a recent death in the family. And, but the rest of us, we have given our elastic, and so we can kind of roll with other people's stress. And this pandemic is a unique time where we're all under this stress together at the same time. And so all of our elastics are pretty tight. And so when somebody loses it, they're losing it on somebody who's also pretty close to losing it. And so that's where this sort of mindfulness of how can we be gentle to somebody who loses it when we're so close to the edge How can we kind of turn it around and notice how hard this is, that we can crack a joke or we can find a way to have compassion for ourselves and the other in a way that releases the tension of that moment and doesn't escalate the difficulty and the stress and the conflict, but kind of diffuses it because there's a sense of compassion for yourself and for the other. My elastic is a noodle, in case you care, uh, Carolyn. <laughs> cooked um, or uncooked is the question. It's, it is way, it's not El Dante, that's for sure. It is super cooked. Uh, my noodle is super cooked, boy, in a couple different ways. Uh, and I said this the other day to somebody. Um, uh, oh, I know who it was. It was Laurel, Laurel Gregory, one of our reporters in Alberta. And she's got two kids, and she's working, and two kids, and schooling, and, you know. And um, I don't know how parents do it with kids or you know i'm i'm lucky to do my job i love my job i do it here from home every day Uh, you know jackie takes care of a lot of the household stuff just because that works best for us but i don't know how some families do it when they've got kids and and uh, you know maybe an aging parent that you know uh, that they're and i've got my mom and jackie has her mom but but you know what i mean like i've got it pretty good and and as i said my noodle is cooked well you're right when you feel like i'm maxed out and what would i do if i had two kids at home and an elderly parent that i had to drive over every other day but couldn't actually hug just had to drop off groceries and see her struggle, right? Like the math just doesn't work. When you think about what we're expecting some families to do, there aren't enough hours in the day and there isn't enough resilience within a single person and yet they have to do it anyways. And I think we really need to be aware of how hard this is for people and find ways of 
extending grace and cutting people some slack and um, recognizing that for some people it's so far from business as normal that when somebody, you know, cuts you off in traffic or isn't kind to you if you're, uh, you know, a self-clerk at a store, that we just can't see the burdens that people carry and the challenge is to stand in awe of how people carry those burdens rather than in judgment of how they carry them. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.